The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's weekly podcast. I'm John Howard. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest, Scott Lay. Hello. Of The Nooner, editor and publisher of The Nooner and expert especial on all things related to politics and political spending. And co-creator of The Roundup. Yes, That's co-creator right. of The Roundup. He doesn't like to say that publicly, but we can, we'll remind him. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> been a great journey. <laughs> uh, Scott, we, we talked a little bit earlier and you'd mentioned there are some districts out there, intra-party fighting uh, some Congressional District 4 races that you'd mentioned. I'm sure there may be other state uh, assembly and Senate as well. But um, what is this telling you, having four races like this? Are we going to see more intra-party fights? It seems like it. I, I think these were unexpected this year. Uh, we knew that one was coming down the pike, and that was um, you know, the, the Rokana challenge against yeah. Mike Honda. You know, that's a repeat from uh, two years ago. Uh, but we've had other uh, just you know, wildly unexpected uh, inter-party races. Uh, then we have the big challenge at the U.S. Senate race as well with uh, uh, Kamala Harris, who had been seen as a favorite. And now, um, you know, Loretta Sanchez is in that race. It's a Northern California versus Southern California dynamic, and that makes things really interesting. The Northern, Northern California generally, or proportionally, seems to vote in greater numbers than Southern California. At least I've seen stories that talk about that. Paul Mitchell's done some stuff on that. Yeah. Um, is that going to play in again this time? It, it really depends. I mean, there are far more voters in Southern California than in Northern California, but Northern California has much higher voter propensity to turn out. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I joked, I don't remember if it was in today's Nooner or, or when, but, you know, Loretta Sanchez is rooting for a Donald Trump you know, emergence, you know, into the general election because that would propel Latino turnout and ah, okay. that that would affect Los Angeles uh, and Southern California in general uh, into perhaps a higher turnout. Mm-hmm. I don't see really, you know, Hillary, you know, versus Bernie having that much of an effect. Yeah. But, you know, the Republican side could certainly, you know, affect that turnout. Would the Latino vote be energized? Perhaps like it was in uh, 1994 with Prop 187, there seemed to be a lot. A lot of them were drawn to the polls by the nature of the content of that proposition. Do you see a lot of them coming to the polls? I guess it's kind of what you're saying. They're going to may come out here uh, in a presidential election year in greater numbers than they had before. I, I think it's possible. Um, I, you know, it's it's unclear, sure. uh, and we don't know what a Trump general election campaign would look like. Uh, does it continue to be as visceral as it is right now, yeah. or does it become much more moderate? Uh, you know, the fact is that. But however, much more moderate would still be <laughs> extremely far, you know, compared to what we what we see in a normal quote unquote yeah. normal what we're used campaign. To, yeah. Exactly, but you know, primary elections, you know, it's the passionate that are following it, and you know, very few people, uh, you know, read daily newspapers and know about, you know, the dynamics of each individual rally that Donald Trump has and, sure. you know, accusations that he's, you know, picking on minorities and that sort of thing. Sure. And so he can pivot to the general election. And so when the 
average voter wakes up and starts paying attention and says, oh, we have an election coming. That's a question I have. You know, in, in my memory, normally the average voter is not paying any attention at this point. I mean, the really engaged person, the primary voter, is, is obviously paying close attention. But I think your average person, the person who's going to swing the general election, is not even tuned in. And my sense is that that's different this year. I feel like the average person is much more aware of what's going on. Although, to be fair, they may not know you know, some of the lower lower level. They may not know who John Kasich is. They may not know who Bernie Sanders is. But they certainly know about Trump and well, it's, those are angry voters, and those are voters that have been paying attention and may have sat elections out previously because they didn't like the choices, and now are saying, oh, we hear somebody that connects with us. Um, now, you know, most of us would say that's not such a great connection, but, uh, you know, there are different people that are turning out to vote. You watch some of these rallies, and you're going, these didn't don't look like my primary polling places before, yeah. you know, and, you know, and, and we're seeing it, although we're also seeing, you know, still very low turnout for the primary elections in the caucuses. Although that's not true. The turnout on the Republican side is massive. The Democratic right. turnout is low. Right. Not, think, not, but not for caucuses. I mean, because, oh, okay. and we're done with caucuses now, yeah. basically, but yeah. caucuses, that really measures like the passion. Because it takes you have to go and stay for a couple of hours and listen to speeches, and you're not just going in for ten minutes to cast a vote. Yeah, the um, voter registration figures in California. Just looking at them this morning, the um, Republicans are down a bit, uh, quite a bit over time. Uh, the Democrats are down a bit. The Independents are up uh, almost a fourth of the electorate now. It's declined to state or no party preference, however we describe them. But I'm wondering in a if, if California is relevant in this primary, uh, are, is it the independent voters? Are those the ones that are going to be swayed one way? Are those the, are those the ones that, the, that all of the campaigns are after to, to convince them to come to their side? Are they sort of in the, what would you call them, the battleground? You know, not really. Uh, you know, we've done modeling of independent voters, no party preference voters, and we find that, you know, you can pretty much estimate what they're going to do or pr project what they're going to do based on certain demographic factors. Mm -hmm. You take my neighborhood uh, over in Southside Park of Sacramento, you know, we, you know, there are, it's predominantly democratic and there are in, in no party preference voters. They are very likely to vote democratic. Mm -hmm. uh, you go out to, to Roseville where it's overwhelmingly Republican and the, no party preference voters are very likely to vote Republican. Mm -hmm. So that's what political campaigns are doing now, is using overall demographics. Then you get into micro-targeting where, you know, you can get down into, you know, this person subscribes to Gu Guns and Ammo magazine and, you know, several other factors and say, you know, they may be a no, an independent, no, part, no party preference voter, but they're going to vote Republican. Mm -hmm. So... You know, and that's I think that's the new world, and it's hard for the political parties because you're you're having fewer people affiliating, but they still have enough of the activists to get the job done. Does voting in advance, you know, the vote by mail, when thirty days out, people can vote? Is that does that play into this somehow? Well, it just makes it very difficult on campaigns. I mean, they have to just track uh, and you know track the uh, the turnout mm -hmm. on a on a yeah. daily basis. 
uh, and use private data firms and spend a lot of money in order to not waste money on mail to people that have already voted or, you know, to send people to go knock on their doors. You know, that that's uh, useless. And uh, that's a whole different, you know, campaign issue than we had, you know, just, you know, 10 years ago. It seems like the um, polls, I mean, to the extent that I've been watching them, Fairly closely, as we go through the primary, the presidential primary, the polls have been, in many cases, way off. Not just a, not the margin of error off, not four or five points, but I mean 10 points, 12 points, 20 points, 27 points. Um, is there something different now than in the past? Is there, I don't know, more people using handhelds, more people... Um, what is a difference? What do you, or do you think, is there a difference? Yeah, well, Michigan was 20 points off, I think, yeah. in the Democratic primary. And that was an average of 20. One of I looked that up. One of the polls had, had uh, Hillary up, I think, by 35. Yes. And the the university, I cannot pronounce, I think it's Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac, yes. <laughs> it's like plus 27. So I looked at their stuff today, and I think in Florida, they had Hillary up by, by 30. It's It's two factors. Uh, one is certainly the movement to mobile phones yeah. um, and, you know, pollsters, gener- reliable pollsters now do a mix of landlines and cell phones. Um, however, there's certain demog- – well, most people that have cell phones look at it and if it says unknown number, don't answer it. It's like, leave me a message, and yes. if I like you, I'll call you back. I can attest that that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, and I don't I don't answer my phone if I don't recognize the number, you know, even if there's a number number there. Apparently, I'm an outlier. I actually answer my phone. <laughs> I'm, I'm apparently one of three, one-third here. Of our well, test, you could have a great impact on polling. <laughs> well, and you know one thing about that poll, the Michigan polls that were so off – uh, one of the things I think played a role on that is that they didn't have comparable elections in the recent past to look at because in 2008, through something in the primary process where they changed the dates, neither Obama nor John Edwards were on the Michigan primary ballot in 2008. Mm-hmm. So it totally changed the dynamic for who was going to vote. And then before that, I believe they had had a caucus system there. Mm-hmm. So. I could see how that really could give pollsters problems because they don't have something they can look at and use as a basis. And I believe that the turnout for younger voters was well above the the prediction, way, way, way above. And then also African-Americans voted slightly more favorably for Sanders than normal. He had been losing five to one and seven to one, et cetera, in other states. And here, I think he only lost three to one, if I remember right. Well, and that's something about polling that, that people don't always understand. It's not like a pollster calls 800 people and then those 800 people are the results. It comes out to waiting. So you take 800 and you look at the demographics and you try and project versus, you know, based on your turnout model. And so turnout models are huge because you have to wait toward the particular demographic groups between parties, between um, age groups. And we saw this in California uh, for Proposition 30, the temporary tax measure, where all the polling said it was going to go down. But the reason was they projected that youth t- or young voter turnout was going to be very low. And here was a temporary tax that was going to benefit the universities and students turned out in droves. So that could happen in California, you know, for Bernie Sanders. 
Yeah. Uh, but, you know, even if I was in the polling business, you don't know until after the election. You know, you kind of have to do guesstimates. And so I've been doing uh, polling averages uh, for state ballot measures for the last few cycles. And, you know, they're all over the place. And it's not because the raw results based on who people actually talk to on the phone, the pollsters talk to on the phone, but rather the weighting of who's going to turn out. Yeah. Would the turnout affect the, the contest or the races you had mentioned, uh, the 8th district, 8th congressional district, uh, Donnelly and Paul Cook, and uh, Rokan and, and Mike Honda, that's one where everybody's been talking about that one, the uh, 17th district. And there are a couple others, Richard Alicone and Tony Cardenas. Uh, is turnout driving a lot of the stuff that you're going to see in these races? I, I, I think it will. Um, in uh, Congressional District 8, which is the San Bernardino High Desert, you know, former uh, Assembly member Tim Donnelly, Tea Party favorite, taking on you know, a more moderate uh, Paul, uh, second term congressman, Paul Cook. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tim is, you know, he's got a radio show down there and he's hoping that he can mobilize, you know, uh, very conservative voters. Uh, you know, that one will probably come down to national dynamics. You know, some races are about local politics and others are about national dynamics. Now, is he late to the game on that? It seems late to me to be announcing for that race. Um, yeah, it is. But, you, you know, when you have a reach and you have a radio show, uh, True. You, you know, he can, he's got, you know, a huge, you know, mailing list, you know, from his run for governor. And he's got people, you know, around the state and around the country yeah. that will come to his mm-hmm. support, you know, as opposed to a local Although Clive Mundy's in jail, so he cannot actually come to his support. Yeah, he'll find some way to, yeah. you know, sell Timmy some land. Was there yeah. a deadline? Did we just, uh, was there a filing deadline we just went through? We yeah, just fr- Friday was the filing deadline if an incumbent was running. And then Wednesday is the deadline if an incumbent is not running. Okay. So that gives an opportunity. So an incumbent can't, like, bow out at 459 and have their chief of staff or, or friend, you know, file. Sure. It opens up and gives five extra days for any other voters to uh, to file. Oh, okay. Um, you know, we mentioned the Tea Party. Is the Tea Party around California, in our state, is it a viable, powerful force, as I hear that it is or was back east in some states, or in the Midwest, I guess? I think the brand, <clears throat> the brand of the Tea Party uh, has somewhat died. Yeah. Um, the passions of the members of the Tea Party or former Tea Party have not. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in California, it's certain parts of the state. It's the, the deep Central Valley, the, um, the folks that are upset about water. Uh, and then in the, in the district, like in Congressional District 8, mm-hmm. you, know, you get out into uh, Hesperia, um, you know, the, 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 the deep San Bernardino Valley, up through Joshua Tree in that area. Well, I think they're alive Apple well Valley. in the, in the uh, state of Jefferson as well. Yeah. You know, it's not that many voters, but uh, yeah, <laughs> no, the, the, the north, you know, the, the far north of California, I mean, there's definitely passionate conservatism. Mm-hmm. Well, is this, um, is this election, the primary election, is this going to be a year where California, I know this is my old hackneyed question, but I really like the question anyway, um, where we're actually relevant? It's it's very possible uh, on on the Republican side. Okay, um, not very likely on the Democratic side, but we'll see after uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, okay. uh, when uh, five more states vote. The real Super Tuesday, I think. Yeah. <laughs> this year, yeah, <laughs> this every, year. every Tuesday is a Super, a super Tuesday, Tuesday. They're saying on on uh, the news now. 
Well, Scott, thank you very much as usual. Uh, this is just great, very enlightening, and thank you for taking the time to join us today in our high tech, our new high tech audio sound booth. It's a very nice uh, combination. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, Tim Foster, thank you very much. I'm thank John you. Howard, and thank you for listening.